Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis Newton here, as per usual, for the Cups and Cakes Network. I'm excited to share episode three of our Sled Island coverage with none other than uh, Calgary original Amy Nelson. We talk a lot about Amy's fantastic 2019 record, Educated Woman. We talk about her uh, her strategy of marrying uh, these kind of morose or dark uh, lyrics behind these really happy, wonderful, old-style country tunes. Uh, along the way, we talk uh, geez, a lot about collaboration. We dive into Amy's love of video games and uh, and so much more. Of course, there is some foul language in this episode, so listener beware. And if it uh, if the spirit moves you, you can check out other episodes of this podcast as well as other audio video and written content over on the cups and cakes network website that's cupsandcakes.com one more time for everybody in the back that's cups the letter n cakespod.com here's my interview in calgary with amy nelson i am amy nelson and i'm a musician based out of calgary Perfect. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'm other things too, but what comes to mind is musician. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're we're hanging out in your in your lovely, lovely. It's like I would describe it kind of character homey. Thank you. Uh, great hardwood floor, some awesome vintage furniture. Yeah, thank uh, you. And this is the first interview that I'm doing as part of the Sled Island run. Oh, how exciting! Yeah, I'm glad to be the first. Yeah, it's about. It, I mean, it feels like it's 30 degrees. It's very warm. Yes, I I have walked a lot already today, <laughs> so uh, we're gonna see how she goes. Uh, welcome. Yeah, the podcast. Podcast is called Inside the Artist Studio, of course, and uh, yeah, we're gonna get you started with some rapid fire stuff. Very exciting! Here we go. Perfect. Very first one. Is there a dish that you cook or bake that is like your signature dish? Ooh, I would say that my signature dish is I make a flapper pie, okay. which is a prairie traditional pie that is made with a meringue, yeah, it's and funny. a graham cracker crust. I've heard of that, yeah, but I had no idea what it actually was uh, yes yeah what's is there something in it beyond just meringue? really what it is is it's pretty much like a vanilla custard like made out of egg yolk only okay so the trick is the separating of the egg whites from the yolk yeah yeah that's where it gets a little tricky i know i guess a banana cream pie is like a similar yeah it's thing. it's similar to that yeah Got, I but guess it's a vanilla more vanilla yeah 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 okay how often is that a thing that you make <sighs> i wish more often <laughs> I wish more often. I get requests from it from my family, and then that's usually the only time <laughs> that I do it. I can be a little lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a thing that you grew up like eating around your house? No, it isn't. There's a flapper on. pie at the Blackfoot Diner. Okay. That people rave about. Yeah. And yeah. one time I went, I want to figure out how to make something like this at home. Yeah. And then I found this recipe, and then I just tweaked it like ever so slightly because I like vanilla, yeah. so I add a little extra to it <laughs> and a little more butter than it probably yeah, calls yeah. for. But yeah, the graham cracker crust is the real kicker oh, with those. It's I could just so eat good. that. I could yeah, just yeah. have the crust. Yeah. Well, that was. I have a very similar story yeah, with banana cream pie, where there's this place in Edmonton called the Sugar Bowl Ooh. that makes an, just the greatest banana cream pie with yeah the graham cracker crust. Oh, and, yeah, went home. The after. graham cracker crust. So that's good. it. <laughs> There's not much li- in life that's better than the graham well, cracker it's crust. it's literally graham crackers and butter yeah. and I think sugar. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> Do you prefer tea or coffee? 
I prefer coffee. Okay. I do like tea. Yep. Um, but I go a long time without having tea sometimes. But coffee is like, got to have it. Yeah, it, it's funny. I When I started asking that question, I felt like it was going to be fairly even one way or the other. Because right, I didn't yeah. drink coffee for a long time. And yeah. then uh, started last year and all of a sudden the answer, like it's much more obvious why people say coffee. Right. Well, the thing is with tea is I find that I'm more particular on finding the right flavor and then the steeping of it is such an art yeah, form. Yeah, yeah. That with coffee, sometimes I drink my coffee black. Right. So sometimes I feel like I can have any kind of coffee and it kind of just like fits the role. It does what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with tea, there's so much more of this like aromatic, you know, flavor to it. Yeah. That there's times where I feel like I don't know if I'm good enough of a tea steeper to choose tea. Well, I feel like, yeah, that kind of hits on something about coffee where it's like it's taken on like uh a, a functional duty more so than a taste-oriented yes, one. Yes, that's um, true, yeah. Like, it, it does a specific thing, and people use it for that purpose. Right, and right? people offer coffee a lot more than tea. That's true. Like, yeah. I feel like if I'm staying with a friend or even going out, yeah. tea sometimes is, like, not something that is, like, if you're going even to a restaurant. Certain yeah, restaurants yeah. maybe, you know, are a little more expert in the teas, but coffee seems to be the first choice. For sure, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what's the weirdest job you've ever had? The what? Sorry? The weirdest job. The weirdest yeah. job. Oh, the weirdest job I probably ever had was designing filters for photographs online. Okay. Yeah, presets. So designing the like colors of them that people could just place it on their photographs. That was yeah, probably yeah. the weirdest job I've ever had. Are you allowed to say who that was for? Uh, it was for, it's actually for a company, an app that's from, uh, in the States called The Color Story. Okay. I yeah. Thought, I thought you were just going to yeah. be like, it's this app in the States. Yeah. It's called Instagram. Yeah, it's called Instagram. Um, I wish. I know. I should have yeah. made it sound like that. <laughs> should have made myself sound so intelligent and techie, but. No, it was, it was cool to experience that, but I do not really know how to do any of that. <laughs> yeah. Like, was that mostly then a task in terms of like picking palettes of colors or yeah. was there some programming it element? was it was yeah it was definitely like picking moods based on you know right okay. photographs so you know i had to describe it almost in words and work with the designers gotcha on how to describe the photograph it's yeah, mood yeah. essentially yeah and yeah. then they put and tweak it and make all these colors for it to make pe- other people feel like they can apply that mood to the photograph too yeah what was the kind of like experience that led you into that? Uh, well, on my Insta- Instagram, for a long time, I did a lot of photographs. Okay. And I just edited them in like a DIY kind of way. And then, yeah, they approached me and asked me if I would want to okay. make presets. And in- initially, I was like, oh, why are you asking me? I have no <laughs> idea. But it was really cool. It was a really neat experience. But like describing that to someone when they're like, what are you doing this year? Or yeah, what are you- yeah, yeah was very complicated because again they think that you can do you're designing it yourself in the right. sense of like you're actually using the technology to make it and I was <laughs> <laughs> I was using language to try to articulate moods and that was tricky <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that is for sure a whole right skill yeah in its own right. yeah and in a digital world too yeah 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 it was a lot <laughs> it was fun though <laughs> uh what's the first car you ever owned I've never owned a car. Okay. I don't drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you can get away with that yes, in Calgary, yes, yeah. in Edmonton, though. <laughs> Different story. Um, yeah, how do you find transit then in Calgary? Like, uh, I think it's going downhill. 
It used to be okay. something that I felt was a little bit more accessible. Right. And now I feel like transit in Calgary. A lot of people talk about it as being so. It just doesn't feel as, uh, not necessarily the word maybe isn't safe, but there's just, there's just co- a complicated nature to it that right, yeah. I just think it's kind of like that in cities where right. when you know public transit gets neglected, yeah. it feels like you're forced into driving. I, I mean, for sure, that mm. is the case in Edmonton, right? Especially just because of the like the sprawl is so right. Bad yes, there. yeah. Um, but I imagine too, transit just like I think overall took a beating during the yes, pandemic because yeah. people stopped riding and then yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly what happened, and it's tricky too because like if you have a car or you travel, you know, by Uber or a cab or right. a friend giving you a lift, it's it's easier to be like say you're going to a gig it's easier to kind of predict how long that will take. Right. Whereas there's definitely been times if, you know, you take the train and it's delayed or there's something that's happening at the station that's causing the delays. Yeah. Which then makes it so that you don't, you don't want to be late. Right. So it's a lot (laughs) easier to just, if you had a car, there's times where I see why people make that choice. Yeah. I know moving from like, I was in Edmonton for a couple of years after high school and then was in Toronto for seven or eight months. And I was amazed in Toronto because like, hanging out with guys at the U of T in the jazz okay, program yeah. and they would like put their drum kit on a little wheelie cart and oh, walk wow. to gigs like that. And it was like, Oh my God. But it's because driving is a huge pain in the yeah. ass. And so they don't. Right. Right. Oh yeah. I, that would be, I would love that. Just the accessibility of like walking everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, in those little longer stretches that it was just, yeah, more accessible, affordable, all those things. Yeah, it's a, yeah. it, In a lot of ways, I think that, a progressive city, public transit should be a priority. Yeah, it's kind of the first thing. Yeah. It's like people have to be able to get around. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But, uh, let's see. If you could uh, book yourself on a show to play your stuff and pick either an opener or a headliner Ooh. Uh, of your choice, uh, who, who would you book on that bill with you? Oh, wow, that's a really great question. And uh, <laughs> one of those long I've thinkers. thought about these. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually thought about this question many times in my life. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I'm daydreaming or close my eyes to go to sleep, I imagine, you know, the dream <laughs> bill. Um, I have a favorite band, and their name is the Felice Brothers. Okay. And I would love to share a bill with them, although I feel like I would be very, very nervous. So I don't know if I would perform well. <laughs> but that would be great. Or there's also Cedric Burnside, which I think would be a really cool bill. He often plays just guitar with a drummer, and I think it'd be kind of cool to just play guitar with a drummer alongside him and yeah, yeah. make some music. And Yeah, that would be cool. The dream, the dream, you know? There's something fun about those kinds of duo sets. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I played for a long time where it was just me and a drummer, and there's, uh, yeah. like, you get to push in a different way, and even when you kind of lay back yeah. a little bit, it gets, like, very quiet yes yeah it's a a very interesting thing to like i play guitar a lot like the bass is very important to me on the guitar the bass notes are very important to me and so sometimes when i play with a drummer what i really like about it is like it's teaching me rhythm in a way that i find to be yeah yeah. you don't have the bass player or other players influencing that it's just you and the drummer Yeah, yeah and it's like you're communicating in this like your own way to one another. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like if it speeds up, it's like it's one of you speeding it up. And just, you know, that communication that's sort of almost like 
telepathic nature that sometimes consumes music. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot easier, too, when it's two people, right? <laughs> when The, the yeah. more people you add on the stage, the more you're trying to communicate with everybody. For sure, yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah, a few gigs I've played with just a drummer, and it was a really interesting experience, yeah. Yeah, I, I know I'm just starting to prep now for, like, my first show with a full band in oh, a couple of years. Oh, that's exciting. And it's this thing, too, yeah, where it's like, most of these songs are new, and I get really used to playing them by myself. Yes, and yeah. And you start to notice, like, I don't need to be playing the bass part on the right, bottom string of right. this guitar. It starts to evolve. Yeah. That's the yeah. beauty of it. Like, I, for a long time, I was somebody that almost rejected the idea of playing with others. I Yeah. And not in a way that was... I didn't want to be judgmental of them, but it was mostly just my own hiccups of being somebody that's like, do I know how to collaborate? Right. Am yeah. I going to be a fraud? Do I know how to communicate <laughs> this? And yeah. uh, I was really lucky because when I first started playing, the people who ended up being in my band were people where I would just play the song and we would just jam. Yeah. So they, yeah. the nature of it was very natural and organic. It wasn't right. like I had to say, play like this and do this. Yeah. You know, A plus B equals C, this is how it is. It was not very cerebral. It was very emotional and feeling based. Yeah, yeah. And I like that when you can bring bandmates together in a way where we're all kind of on that same plane. Yeah. But it can be tricky because there's also that side of it where you're having to, once you involve other people, you're having to schedule other people. You're having to, <laughs> you know, worry about yeah, how they're yeah. feeling. Are they hungry? <laughs> like yeah, all yeah. these things that I'm someone where like when it comes to shows, sometimes I can be pretty independent and just... Right. Be focused on what I got to do. And I'm reminded when I play with a band that like, oh, right, everyone like, do, do we get a meal? Do we like, how is everyone feeling again, right? Like yeah, how, yeah. you know, they need to know the set list and and things that sometimes might even be a little bit out of my comfort zone. But I'm grateful to have the experience of that. But sometimes you feel like you're managing, right? You're trying to figure yeah. out like where everyone sits and... I mean, I, I for sure wanted to get into this a little bit later too. Mm. It's It's like there is some unique pressure i think yes, when you yeah. are like when the band quote unquote yeah. is just your name yeah right yeah. because you are kind of in charge of like booking a show and then booking the rehearsals and mm -hmm. then figuring out backline and like kind of doing all of this extra work that's yeah. kind of outside of really anything that most people have any interest right, in. Right, that's true. So. Oh, the things like the questions even being asked sometimes when you're about to play a show and it's, especially yeah. when it comes to like, I try to like, I wish I could understand what everyone wanted for gear and I, I try to be ahead of that. But there's yeah, also yeah. that side where I'm like, I don't know what you, what you need. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, I know what yeah, I yeah. need and that's where my, you know, focus is. And then, yeah, I want everyone to make sure that they have what they have. Yeah. And again, yeah, you're managing personalities, you're managing schedules. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like, yeah, when it's a solo thing, you can kind of go into it being like, even when it comes to songs, if I play solo, it's a lot more likely that I can experiment with maybe a new song and see right. how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah. With a band, you want to make sure they're comfortable. I never want to throw something at them right, while yeah. we're on stage together in a way that makes them <laughs> feel like, Amy, oh, you're putting me on the spot. I want yeah, everyone yeah. to feel really relaxed. Um, but yeah, like I've definitely been, I'm a very private person. Yeah. And so when it comes to music, it's really forced me out of my comfort zone of like, even just the initial sharing of a song I wrote. Right. Because yeah, yeah. for some reason, like a show itself, if I'm sharing something that's vulnerable, there's something about it where it's like, even if there's an audience, I can almost act like there's not. Yeah. And kind of almost go inward while also acknowledging that we are in the space together, 
Whereas I find like if you have bandmates and you're like, hey, okay, we're in my house. I just yeah, wrote this song. Yeah. I'm showing you. I find that super intimate. Well, because it's this other thing too, where I, again, like I've been doing this a lot the past few weeks where it's like, I'm really happy with this. It's like a song I'm really pumped on. Um, and I'm going to show it to you guys. Yeah. And you're fucking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, okay. Roll it back. Roll it. And you have to try to like quiet that yes, down as yes. much as you humanly can. Yeah. And it's true because you also can get uh, any, it's a state of any kind of collaboration. Yeah. That yeah. How do you give and allow, like open the door to it? So they can bring their own spin on it in a way that they feel like they're contributing and they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, yeah. But also in a way where you feel like this vision you had of the song yeah. is being pieced together in a way. And my favorite thing is when I maybe hear write a song and I might think of it in a certain way if I was you know, playing producer in my mind. And then when I hear bandmates contribute to it, it's something I could never articulate for them to do and they just right. do it. And then yeah, I find yeah. it to be like... Wow, you interpreted it that way. That's amazing. That's beautiful. I yeah, never yeah. heard it like that. Um, that's my favorite thing. But yeah. it's hard because yeah, there are times where you're like, you know what, this song it sounds like this to me, and I want, and you can't, and especially when like language fails. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you know. And I don't ever want to be a bandmate or a band leader. I guess that makes anyone feel like they have to be really stiff or follow rules. Right, yeah, I yeah. like the jam aspect. I never want to lose that. Yeah, yeah. But then I have to learn sometimes to be like, but there's also an aspect of like, if I have a vision yeah. to stick to it or wanna, learn like, how to articulate it in a yeah. way that is, everyone understands what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, whether it's even just an intro or an outro or just something right. even very simple in a song. There's times where I'm like, I'll struggle to be like, how do I articulate this? Yeah, how do I yeah. say this in a way that is... And it's, again, it's that thing where you have to recognize your own, like, agency with it. Right. Like, you are allowed to say, no, I want it like this. Yeah, yeah. And even if the person's like, well, people, that doesn't make sense. Or, yeah. I think it should be like this. You can go, but that's how I feel. I want it to be like this. Yeah, and stand so. your ground. But it's this, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's a collaboration, right? So there's compromise involved. Yeah. And I think so much that too just comes down to like hiring the right people. Yes. And really oh. getting people that you're like comfortable with who, you know, even like, again, I played in a band with a guy for years where yeah. like he had a lot of like really great ideas, right. but it was a person where you could say like, hey, I don't like that. And he would get yeah, like kind of hurt. That's important. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, that's tough. That's yeah. A, gonna keep going on this rapid yeah. fire train here <laughs> that, that was the answer by the way to if you could pick an opener or a headliner oh right yeah look at us <laughs> that's how we got there oh, that was pretty wow. good wow um, we're traveling now <laughs> no more rapid fire we're uh, on it do you have a social media account that brings you some joy oh uh when i you, have many when you scroll past it yeah i have too many <laughs> i spend too much time scrolling yeah yeah <laughs> The, I feel like the answer is always inevitably either like uh, social media is awful and the worst thing yes, or, yeah. oh man, I got so many. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's true. Well, I find that, yeah, I think I, I talk a lot about in my own life, doom scrolling and I for sure, yeah. can definitely do that too often where, you know, everything I'm reading is very negative and heartbreaking Yeah, yeah. and that I forget to see the light of life too and the humor of life. Yeah. And the strangeness of it in kind of like a miracle way of how the heck are we even here? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, and the internet can be really bad for that because it can be very like 
we all have to immediately be experts on something and reactionary to something. Right, yeah. Instead of allowing us, again, like tea, to yeah. steep, <laughs> to allow ourselves to like get to know something. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but I do find I've, I've tried to learn to balance that uh, social media can be also like so much knowledge on it and uh, fun. <laughs> like there are aspects of humor that is very ridiculous. That, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I look at memes and I think these are the strangest memes ever and they I relate to them and I get this joke yeah, and I yeah. don't think everyone would. And it's that feeling, that like moment of time where you feel like I belong somewhere, you know? <laughs> and that's nice. The yeah, internet yeah. can be nice when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the next one we got here? Do you prefer sports, board games, or video games? Oh, wow. Yeah. Those are actually three things I like. Okay. Yeah. Um, I grew up playing basketball and... Uh, I love watching baseball. Yeah, yeah. I actually love playing board games as well. I don't like losing. <laughs> That's when board games make me upset. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I also play a lot of video games. Okay. Which is, I feel like people are always surprised by. Like, I, I was saying that to a friend the other day. I was saying how they asked me, like, what's your favorite, like, topic that comes up that you could talk about for hours? Yeah. Probably music, right? And I'm like... Probably video games. <laughs> I could talk forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> video games. What, what are like the go-to games for you? I like RPGs. Okay. Um, I'm playing uh, Far Cry right now, and uh, I just finished Far Cry Four, and I'm playing Far Cry Five. Okay, cool. Um, I, I Fallout's probably my favorite series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like the kind of RPG. I like the escapism that they bring me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know I, they can be violent, but <laughs> yeah, the they're escapism. I'm not yeah. a violent person, and I try to be good in the games. I try to imagine yeah. I'm helping people, you know? I know. I had a buddy who used to make rules for himself playing those types of games, oh, so okay. he would, like, uh, play Skyrim through as a vegetarian. Oh, wow. And, like, wouldn't eat any meat, and it was, like, amusing because it's, like... It's interesting, yeah, how people add those types of elements yes, on top yeah. of it, where it's putting yourself into the character in right. some way, right? Yeah, you actually, you, yeah, you feel like this is a world you exist in. Yeah. It's like an extension of yourself in its own way. I always find that really interesting with video games where there's, well, like Far Cry was like that, where there's like karma points. Right, So right. if you help somebody, you get karma points. So you yeah, can be good. Yeah. So in the game, you can kind of decide, am I going to be evil or am I going to be good? <laughs> And I feel guilty in those, like, because, you know, there's, like, the side quests. Yeah, always, yeah. I'm always good. And then there's the main quest where you're like, I don't get a choice. Yeah, yeah. And it's, like, this guilty feeling. I'll pause the game and be like, how am I supposed to make this decision? I want to yeah, be a yeah. good person. And it's, like, it's a screen. It's a game. <laughs> like, I know, know uh, there's this term for uh, morality in video games. Uh it has some wacky name. It's ludonarrative dissonance. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have never heard that. Uh, which is this kind of fascinating idea that every video game kind of asks you to put yourself in the shoes of, like, the good guy. Ah, um, that's true. Yeah. in doing so, like, if you've ever played those, like, the newer Tomb Raider games. Yes. Oh, yes. Where it's like, yeah, yeah. Lara Croft is, like, she's really a sympathetic character mm -hmm. in these cutscenes, And then in between the cutscenes, she murders right? hundreds of people. Right? Oh, my God. I'm glad you brought up Tomb Raider. That's another one. I love yeah, that game. Yeah. But I felt the exact same way where it's like, and you don't have a choice. It's like, yeah. it's not like, hey, you watch this cutscene, yeah. and it allows you to be like, do I think these people are immoral and bad? And yeah, yeah. By doing something to them, I'm actually protecting the you know innocent good people. Yeah, yeah. There's not really the, you, that, that conscious choice of like, 
Yeah. Right? But yet the narrative of the story yeah, and the you know main quest line, it tries to paint it so you can't you don't really get the choice to know if your own decision of is this person bad or good. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, really uh, interesting to think about. Yeah. yeah. Uh let's see. Is there a record that spurred your love of music? Oh wow. That's a good question too. Uh not necessarily a record itself, but certain artists. Uh what really got me into playing music initially was a woman named Olabel Reed, who was an old time banjo player. Okay. And uh, before that, like, I hadn't heard music like that. Yeah. And uh, it came, I can't, oh, yeah, I was, I, the funny story of it is that I was looking on YouTube for things. And I came across this, and I heard, I never heard the banjo played that way. Yeah. And it just was, like, the first time in my life where it felt this sense of, like, I've listened to music that is really songwriter-based, where, right. you know, all through my youth, where it's really emotional and I connect to something on that level. But this was the first time that music hit me in a way that I felt like was visceral. Yeah. And yeah. just the sound itself. Like the lyrics were amazing too, but it was the sound that really. Right. And then I went out and bought a banjo because of it. And then I learned banjo. And then I remember hearing like Elizabeth Cotton and Mississippi Fred McDowell and all these different artists from yeah, that, you yeah. know, that time. And again, it was this feeling of like music isn't just this cerebral or. You know, I've always liked music that made me feel something, but it was the first time ever where it was like, wow, this goes beyond even my yeah, own understanding yeah. of what it is. How how old would you have been at the time? I would have been, I would have been probably 18 or 19, okay. maybe 20. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of within that realm because I don't think I got gotcha. the banjo right away. I think I kind of, again, steeped, common thread, <laughs> um, in that music for a while before I kind of made the commitment to buy something to right. pursue it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then ever since then, it's just been finding more artists that are like that, that do that. That It's something about it where it almost feels like when they perform or when they sing, whether it's on a record or if you're lucky to find a live recording or a video of it, it's that, yeah, it just... It stops time when I'm listening to it. There's something about it that goes beyond. It's not like I'm yeah, sitting yeah. there going, wow, that's a really great lyric. Or, hey, I've had hard times too. I can relate to that. It goes beyond that. Yeah. Well, it's it, a feeling, yeah. It's it's funny. Those, like, those types of songs and recordings, mm -hmm. I think, start to exist in this space where... Um, you know, like there are songs by like Stephen Foster. I don't know if you're yes, familiar with yes, his, yeah. that stuff where it's like they're just so in the kind of culture yes, at this point yeah, that they're yeah. kind of like they just belong to everyone. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. yeah. And there's something, no matter where you are from, that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of it. It doesn't matter. Like, I think there's some music that is very... Um, in a beautiful way, there's music that maybe when I was 15, I could only listen to when I was 15. Right. But I feel yeah, like yeah. this kind of music, I also feel like it's kind of like the answer to a world of rules and, yeah, yeah. you know, this is how to make a song. Like there's a lot of right. emphasis on that. There's a lot of workshops and things that charge money to artists <laughs> that try to tell you how to write a song yeah yeah or how to perform or how to get a record deal or like there's these things that right. exist yeah yeah and i think often what's forgotten is it's like these are just people singing right. these are not they're not trained and it's fine if, if a person's trained but yeah these are human beings and i've always felt that way with music where 
I thought growing up that it was like there was people that were born to be these songwriters. Right, yeah, Born yeah. to play guitar. I didn't know that it was accessible to everybody. Yeah, yeah. And when I found like old time music and old blues music, it hit me in a way where I was like, everybody could do this. Like my yeah. mom could pick up a guitar tomorrow. It doesn't matter your age. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter your skill level. It doesn't matter your dexterity. And write a song and sing yeah, a song yeah. because we all feel things. And I feel like... My hope is always with music is to not forget that feeling. For sure, Because I yeah. think we can get very, you know, centered on it needs to be done this way. Right. To be successful is to do this. And and I think there's a lot of it that's like abandon the self of that's you. The yeah, uniqueness yeah. of what you are gets so criticized. Yeah, yeah. And that music kind of reminds me, and I always keep it in my pocket as being something that's like, yeah, be weird. There's going to be rooms that don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay, you are, know? Are you familiar with the Folkways yes, stuff? Yes, yes, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. been on a bit. I'm trying to write a grant to do a bunch of oh, that's very cool. research and writing for about the Folkways stuff. But it's, it's the same kind of vibe yeah. where um, there's something really freeing about just hearing just people. Yeah. And they're yeah. just playing songs that they play yeah. to their kids. Exactly. Um, they're just on a porch. The sun might be shining or not, you know, and you hear it and it's like this captured moment in time. It's yeah, like you're yeah. hearing something that feels like, I always felt that feeling like if I went to like say a museum or I right. went somewhere where there was like some sort of artifact or something where they're like, this is old or, you yeah, know, like you yeah. got that kind of like eerie feeling of like, you saw beyond your own time. You saw yeah, beyond yeah. what was happening to just you. Yeah. And you got to see the world through someone else's eyes. And I feel like that's what that music does too, is like, it could be about, you know, a farmer who's poor and yeah, not yeah. raining and it's tragic. Yeah. And I can hear it and feel this empathy for him right. or her or them and then at the same time, I can relate it to something in my life that makes me feel tragic yeah, and yeah. feel connected to it. And I find that very interesting because I find like a, there's a lot of music that even can sometimes be like narrative based. Right. And uh, sometimes my brain is like, wow, that's a beautiful song, but I don't relate to it. Right. And I can still appreciate yeah. it, but I don't relate to it. But they had a way because of just, again, allowing yeah, yeah. the human side of it and not just become record industry based you know it's interesting i just i know when kind of like recording technology quote unquote came around it was uh thought of in a way as it's like time travel yes, right? because yeah. there was no way to kind of preserve like somebody's voice right yeah, like somebody's physical true, yeah. actions kind mm. of uh yeah get preserved for a long time yeah. it those, is it is almost like you yeah. know what i think too is that i'm going to tell you what i think now, but <laughs> <laughs> is that i think with that music i feel very lucky to have found it before i was like somebody that recorded or wrote songs or performed right. yeah because it gives me this feeling of there's no rush Right, yeah. Some yeah. of these people are in their 60s, and I'm listening to a song, and every time I hear it, it's it feels like it saves my life over and over again. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I connect to it in a way where it, sometimes, honestly, when I'm at my depths of sadness or sorrow or not feeling good about life, I can listen to it and be like, there's a reason to be here. There's a yeah, feeling yeah. here. There's something more to this. Um, and I think sometimes if people get so caught up in the you know, you have to be successful before you're 30. You have to do this. Yeah, if, you, yeah. if you're singing, you have to do this way. You have to, 
that that music, yeah, it almost serves as a reminder of like these people were any age. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes they were just doing they were they were continuing to write songs whether people were listening to them or not. Yeah. I yeah. find that so amazing to continue to be like, I write songs and I play it for my family. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like, yeah, I think that's what all music begins as. Yeah. But it doesn't always end that way because we get caught up, you know? It, it's neat. I used to work at an antique store in Edmonton okay, for yeah. like four years. Like I was there a, a while. And uh, every once in a while you'd, you'd catch like, you know, uh, diaries or, or, oh, people, that's or like cool, photos yeah. with stuff written on the back. And, and yeah, every once in a while you would just get like, yeah, somebody just wrote a book of poems and they're like kind of rhyming couplets and it's just like, it's really wholesome, I think, right, to think yes. of somebody sitting yeah. and doing that work for no reward other than to just it's, try yes, something yeah. to express something. Exactly, right? yeah. It's just, it's almost intrinsic. And I think we as a society have gone such a way that it is, and I think social media contributes to that. The negative yeah, yeah. sides of social media is that Everyone who does something, it's for, for a profit. Like we, right. we can yeah, get yeah. really caught up in that. Even I felt that way sometimes. Where yeah, yeah. Are we not allowed? Like, if we take photographs, do we have to sell our photographs? Do we now right. have to shoot weddings all the time? Or you know, right? And if yeah, that's your yeah. prerogative, that's fine. But I think sometimes we forget that, like, it's okay to just do something to do it. Yeah, yeah. And also to do it without an echo, without anyone viewing it. For sure, yeah. To write a poem and no one's ever going to read it. I find yeah. that, like, I think that's really neat. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, very last question then on the rapid fire side <laughs> of things. Uh, not who are you looking forward to seeing at Sled Island, because this is the special Sled Island edition. Right, yes, but we'll yes. go a slightly different direction. And, uh, you know, I imagine you'll be out and about. Yes, um, yeah where are you looking forward to going most with your friends just like Ooh. having a drink on a patio ah. and uh yeah where's where's just like partaking. the spot yeah. yeah well i love the palomino i'll always say i love the palomino there is a specialness to the palomino that i wish all venues i experienced had yeah um, but Sled Island's really good at having a lot of really great venues. Yeah, for sure. There's never like, you know, there's some festivals where there's like that one or two venue where you're like, what's this? And sometimes it turns out to be something really neat. Sometimes yeah, it's yeah. just, you know, just another bar kind of feeling. Yeah. Uh, but Sled Island, what I like about them is even having like sloth records or having store things. Yeah, and, for sure. Um, not just having the traditional venue that we're used to playing in. Yeah. Like when I first played Sled Island a few years ago, I got to play at the like Central United Church. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was incredible. Was that in 2019? Was that that I year? I think so. Okay, that was the. My very... dates are always wrong, but I think it was something. Yeah, because my album came out then, and I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I yeah. was trying to figure out if it was you that I had seen that oh, that year because I think okay. that was the very first show I walked into was oh. you playing at. Ah, the okay. United, Central United Central Church. United Church, yeah. Cass McCombs yeah. played that night. Yeah, and yes. John Common. And John Common, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I know a bunch of people in his band. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, his set was awesome. That yeah, was very yeah. cool. When I got the like message of where I was playing, I was like, yeah, oh yeah. my goodness, I am not worthy <laughs> of this. But it was so cool. It was such a neat experience. Yeah, and yeah. So now anytime I drive past that church or think of it, I think of that. And yeah, it's, yeah. I'm grateful for SLED for doing that for people where- For sure, yeah. You know, it's an unconventional venue or a venue maybe you would have to pay a lot to book it and yeah. put on your own show. 
and well, they create meaning in it, and it's well, very yeah, cool. Yeah, like seeing a rock band there, like yeah. seeing the John Common stuff was right. like, it's so cool because yes. it just takes up the yes. whole space. Yeah. I love that about it. It's yeah. very neat, yeah. Um, cool. Well, we'll kind of dive into the second half of things. Cool. Um, I guess just very, very broadly, like mm. obviously COVID has kind of taken its toll on, on yes, everybody, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, well, just like what have you been up to throughout the pandemic? Uh, throughout the pandemic, um, I laid on my back a lot. Yeah. I uh, watched a lot of TV and played a lot of video games and uh, felt sorry for myself a lot. Um, in fact, actually, I was not somebody that played guitar a lot. Okay. Like, even though I feel like I'm definitely someone where I play guitar or write songs because of feeling bad, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right, that's yeah. my inspiration. Um, there was something about the pandemic that was isolating in a way that I didn't feel creative. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, when I had a, a show, my first show back, I had all my calluses and like dexterity that I'd learned from playing guitar was gone. Yeah. So I felt yeah. like I almost had to relearn playing. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I remember going up on stage and and playing and just being like, my fingers are hurting. This feels tragic. This is something yeah, that yeah. was like my whole life before and it was kind of taken away. Yeah. Um, but there was also a side of it where I think like anything you do in life, if it becomes your whole life, you forget how multifaceted you're allowed to be. Yeah, yeah. And I think with music sometimes it's that you get so focused on, I'm a songwriter now, I write songs, I'm rehearsing. Um, yeah, yeah. All my social interactions are with people I'm rehearsing with and I, I'm everybody I'm seeing is at a show. And, yeah. and you're forgetting to like, realize that there's so much more to a person than For their sure. job or their hobby or even their passion. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, or their art form or whatever it may be. And the one thing about COVID is that it did kind of force me to like stop for a moment and really like think about what was important. Right, And yeah. as important as music is and as much as it's everything, what I missed most wasn't shows. Yeah. You know, and I had a lot of musician friends that were really struggling because the shows were their identity and then they didn't have an identity and they didn't know what to do with it right, because we've had yeah. it for so long kind of vibe. Um, but for me, it was like, it brought me closer to my family or yeah, just yeah. really small moments, even just ordering a pizza, you know, and just <laughs> sitting around and talking and getting, you know, pizza grease on your face and little yeah, moments yeah. like that, little everyday moments. Um so as much as I had moments where I felt very sad and I, I missed performing, it kind of, I was glad for the timing of it because I feel like when I put out my record, it was the first time, like, I went from just, like, I'm a, I perform and it's, like, everything is a temporary moment. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, like, a performance is a 45-minute, 60-minute thing yeah. that is left there. And even if someone captures it with a cell phone or whatever, you, there's still a feeling yeah, yeah. of it as not being permanent. For sure, But yeah. then recording felt like, oh, this is me now. This is right. me saying this is who I am. Yeah, And yeah. then having to learn like, oh, you should have sent it here or you should have done this or you're, sp you know, like that marketing side and that yeah, business yeah. side that totally kind of overwhelmed me and then consumed me. And the consumption of it was more of like feeling guilty that I didn't do enough. And yeah, it yeah. took away that like, this is just an art form Right. And a place for self-expression, and I want to do it for as long as I can. And it made it into something sometimes that was negative. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially when you feel like all your friends are putting out records and all your friends are musicians. There's a beauty in it, but then there's also the side of it where you're like, oh, are people competing with one another? Or, yeah, yeah. you know, is everyone feeling down on it? Is everyone feeling like, 
you know, that music's this vampire where our, you know, self-doubt is so magnified and yeah. who do we think we are? And um, But with the pandemic, yeah, it kind of just like made me stop for a moment and realize that I wanted to just do what I wanted to do. Do, do you think you felt some sense of like pressure just because I, I know especially like early days there was mm. a lot of like well I'm just gonna pretend yeah. like the government's paying me to be a songwriter and right. I'm just gonna write every yes. day yeah and and for me at least my own brain was like I'm not fucking gonna do anything yeah. like I, I like <laughs> that's exactly how I felt I felt like because a lot of live streams were happening <laughs> yeah yeah and a lot of like people fe- feeling like they needed to prove that they still exist yeah and I understand that but for me, I felt like it was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to show that I existed. I wanted to actually be anonymous. Yeah, yeah. It, it made me feel like I wanted to be somebody that people didn't know. Right. I wanted to be, I was okay with being alone. I'm definitely someone that has like always been okay with being alone. Yeah, yeah. So I imagine for some people who are really used to the social interaction that happens at gigs, yeah. really struggling with that. Um, for me, I didn't struggle with even really missing people. Um, which kind of made me reflect on myself, like, wow, Amy. <laughs> um, I did at the end there. At the end, I was yeah. like, oh, I am longing. And maybe I was just like putting up a guard to not have to face it. But yeah, um, yeah, I felt like there was a pressure to show that you still existed as, as that. And, and for me, you know, I felt it. I did feel it. Yeah. But then I also felt like, aren't we all writing songs and singing and doing this because we're just people? Yeah. And shouldn't we experience this? I mean, I'm probably like maybe the worst person to, to when it comes to these kind of conversations, because <laughs> I'm definitely someone where I can see the positive in things and the negative. Right. But the positive to me sounds also <laughs> negative. <laughs> so for me, it was like, hey, people, what is important in life? Yeah, yeah. Life itself is important. Not our egos. Yeah. Not our, like, you know, desire to be heard. Those things, it's okay to feel like, I want people to hear me sing, or I want to do well at this, or I, I want to be this. But for me, what was really surprising was how, yeah, how difficult it was for others and how it wasn't so difficult for me. That's yeah. when I was, I was making more flapper pies during the <laughs> pandemic than I ever had. I yeah, took up yeah. baking. I was like, you yeah, know, yeah. not, I didn't make bread because I, I'm not that good, but <laughs> I did try to be like, this is a period of life where we are experiencing something. Yeah, yeah. And that part I was grateful for. I was devastated by people losing their lives and yeah, the tragedy yeah. and the fear that people felt that made me sad. But I also felt this feeling of like people, like life in itself to me is an experience. Right. Yeah. It's not supposed to just be like, we can get so caught up in routines. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So even for people who started working from home, that was new for them. Yeah. When would they have been given that opportunity? Now, yeah. if only it could have been a pandemic where everyone just, we did just stay inside yeah, and lots of lives were everybody saved. Everybody could do that. And the yeah. worst case scenario was just that we got lonely. Yeah. You know, I would be like, okay, we could. Be, come out of this better people, yeah. kinder people, more loving. You know? I, I'm always curious. Like I know in the first two or three months of the pandemic, I think there was this moment for everybody where everybody kind of thought, oh, well, now is our chance to address all of these things yes, that yeah. are not great and to create some change. Yes. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there anything specific that you had kind of 
thought of in that way or that you're kind of disappointed is like a change that has not come to pass? Well, there's like very simple changes, like even just the idea that like if you're sick, yeah. to stay home. For sure. Yeah, I remember yeah. so many gigs where I didn't even cancel, which like upon reflection, because that was the culture. Right, for where sure. Where I was losing my voice and it always felt like who came out that was so sick that now I'm sick and that's that whole thing. And then I'm making someone's like, what are yeah, we doing yeah. here? Yeah. Um, so even just the aspect of like, you know, let's wash our hands and let's protect each other. I have a cold. Let's like not make other people sick. Yeah. Like, yeah. We love our, like love our neighbor. Like why are we only thinking of ourselves? Right. And I felt like yeah, at the yeah. beginning of the pandemic, I was like, wow, we're all in this together. Right. Like we truly are in this together. You realize how much, of our lives depend on how other people treat us and how we treat others and looking out for one another. And I thought that was beautiful. Like, Oh, we're all in our homes right now. Yeah. What an amazing thing. Like terrifying, Yeah. but like, wow, how astonishing this is that we all are feeling the same way. When does that happen? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. But then it kind (laughs) of got, you know, that revelation that some people don't care about others as much as you think they did or right yeah yeah that you know trying to empathize with people who don't agree with you or you don't agree with yeah having to see their point of view but how do you contend with that and then i feel like when it comes to like the social justice and social change i think because people were people were spending so much time on their phones it was forcing them to deal with these things that maybe made them uncomfortable before. Yeah. For so if sure. somebody was like, Hey, this is what's happening. This is this is how whether it's this is how this country was founded. Yeah, yeah. And it's things where maybe someone might have had a slight thought that that happened. Right. But it yeah. was like the first time I think that we were all collectively in our homes. Kind yeah. of being forced to contend with that, to to force to feel that uncomfortable feeling of like Wow, we we shouldn't be naive to this. How yeah, have we not yeah. noticed this was happening? Yeah, and I think too, just kind of more and more a mood of some recognition yeah. that um, things are not actually run great. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah. that like because there was definitely people that may have known that before, but it felt like almost like an outlier, right? Right. Yeah, so yeah. if you were that person, say in your family or in your friend group, that was like, "Hey, you guys, this." here, wake up. Have you seen this? And other people might just kind of shrug you off as being like even political or sensitive. Right. Instead of recognizing that it's like some of these things aren't opinions. Yeah. They are how things are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I, I mean the divide that it caused, I feel like I've, I lost friends and, and people that I thought were progressive and kind people that wanted the world to be a safe place for everybody. Yeah, yeah. That felt like they suddenly had to write Facebook statuses or make acclamation of like things that were so far from something I could even imagine feeling or thinking. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that was hard. Because to sure. me, I was like, if somebody's like, this is how I'm treated, I I wouldn't think, oh, well, you know. <laughs> I, sure? I would be like, really? <laughs> oh, my goodness. If yeah. I was naive to it before, I'm certainly not now that you've told me. Right. You know, right. and I'd feel yeah. sad and I'd feel all those emotions. But, yeah, it was it was interesting for that because it really, you had conversations with family and friends that I don't think would have happened without it. For sure. And, again, yeah. I hope that means that the world can be going towards a better place. Yeah, but yeah. it's tough to know. <laughs> I thought you hit on something interesting, too, just about, like, there being 
uh, what people perceived as either positive or negative mm -hmm. elements yeah. of the whole experience, you can kind of perceive them as the opposite of yes. that too. And, yes, and I was yeah. listening to your record on the way here and had kind of realized it's like so much of that style of country and mm -hmm. of that record is um, having these lyrically pretty sad ideas behind this kind of very jaunty yes, like yeah. country feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is it that, that appeals to you, I guess, about that kind of sound or that marriage of like a certain type of lyric over... Over something that I've, all, I've always, for some reason, been fascinated by music that sounds happy, right? but is sad. <laughs> and I think that's because that's what I'm like as a person. <laughs> a lot of people who meet me, I'm, I'm, I smile a lot. I'm, I'm not yeah, like, yeah. it's not a fake smile. I genuinely am like, smiling because my body whatever happens causes me to smile yeah yeah um and i do love life in the aspect of like i'm so aware that it's not going to be forever <laughs> <laughs> i'm so aware of that like me this could be my last day as as morbid as that is i tell all my friends that and they're like amy <laughs> like come on <laughs> but there's something in that that allows me to not take things for granted in a way that i think maybe when i was younger i may have right um but I feel like, yeah, that music I connect to on a personality uh, alone because, yeah, I do feel like as a person, I think that, I think a lot of people are actually like that where on the, what you see on the surface, which is almost what the, the sound may be, which right. may sound happy. Yeah, yeah. There's something so much deeper to it. Right. And something even more allegorical and, and painful once you kind of cut back those layers and get to yeah, know a person. Yeah. And I think that's why I like that music so much is because... It can invite people in who maybe are just hearing the jovialness of like right. a washboard <laughs> or a kick drum or like a happiness of like, oh, this sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe might connect to them in a way that they weren't anticipating. Right. And I right. find that because I've listened to some country songs where, yeah, you do feel like you could just sing along and hum and you're like, mm-hmm. And meanwhile, they're about something very sad. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I just think it's kind of the yin and yang of life. Yeah, And yeah. that's what draws me to it, I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, even thinking about like stuff like the Beatles, right? Yeah. Like it, that that kind of thing is prevalent a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think works just like people have a negative bias to some extent. And I think it's easier to consider something to be profound or to yes, be meaningful yeah. to you um, when it's a little bit sad. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, and I think too, like, there's a lot of, like, when people talk about, oh, the greatest songwriters that ever lived. And right. a lot of them, it is about, like, the song sounded sad and the content of the lyrics was sad. Right. But I've often found that the songwriters that, like, connect to me, as much as there's, I mean, there's a dozen of them. <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> the entire thing is very depressing. Um, but the ones that, like, truly, truly, like, hit me in a way um, that is a full connection is... Yeah, it's not always audibly sad sounding. Right. There's something, you could be dancing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which to me is like, yeah, that's life, you know? Like, you know, there's times where you get into a really dark spell and it's hard to get out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there's other times where in one moment you're having fun and the next moment you're not having fun. or You know, it's like going out somewhere. You yeah, go yeah. out and I don't know how many times you, you go out with your friends or... You know, and it's fun for an hour or two, and then there's always a moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like, I don't know if that's just me, but where I'm kind of like, 
I can go home. I could yeah. go home now or <laughs> something changes, you know, the mood yeah, changes. Yeah. It's no longer a seven thirty, we're having dinner and a you know, a couple drinks. It's now like, okay, it's getting to midnight and yeah. the, the vibes have changed and there's some like, you know, moods here that like what's going on and there's a negativity and that's just life. Yeah. You yeah. can have fun and it can be sad. I always think of it as like Birthday parties were always like that for me when I was little. Yeah, yeah. I don't rem- I remember like grade three having a birthday party and sitting there for a moment and being like, I'm older. <laughs> I was a tiny kid. <laughs> I remember thinking that. I remember yeah, going, yeah. why am I celebrating being older? I'm closer to my death. I remember <laughs> that. And I still feel that way, yeah. which is why I think that birthdays or celebrations can be a weird melancholy thing. For sure, yeah. You know, yeah. where somebody, even on a Father's Day, for some, or Mother's, or whatever it is, there's yeah, these yeah. days that for some people it's wonderful and jovial. And for yeah, other people yeah. it's very sad. And then there's other people where it's a mix. And I feel yeah. like for me it's always been the mix. I've always found myself in that yeah, middle yeah. area of like, I see what's sad and I see what's happy. Well, yeah, that's like it. Um, like I know I became when I was like 18 or 19, a really big LCD sound system fan because to me, um, like I, I think there's something about that music and something about the fact that he is a little older and was a little older when he kind of became successful that, um, you don't often hear the voice of somebody who's like 40. That's true, yeah. And is singing about things within the context of these kind of like poppy, danceable yes, songs. Yeah. Where it's like these feelings about being old and getting older mm. and losing connection with certain people um, and things that are like even happy memories that are, right. are, are more complicated than that, yes, right? Yeah. And And I think, yeah, I came to appreciate the fact that like, uh, there's there's nothing that lies kind of in a very simple place on that spectrum. Right, and it's like, that's true. Things are kind of all over the place. It's true, and that's the thing I think that happens with even uh, with music, like connecting it to talking about like old time or that. Yeah, is yeah. that there is a lot of emphasis on, and it's the culture. It's like the capitalistic culture of the world. Yeah, yeah, is often so much emphasis on like in your twenties, right? Like you have it all figured out. Right. The best records a person makes are in their twenties. Yeah, you know when, and then we hold on to these people for what they did in their twenties when they're sixty or seventy or eighty. And, yeah, and yeah. they're often men, and they're often like they've lost their voice by now. But yeah, we're, yeah. we're holding on to this memory of them in their twenties, and you know you hear women actresses or uh, women songwriters where, oh, you're 40, you're 50. Like, what is what is your, exp- your experience? How can it be relevant to people? Or right. they yeah, suddenly yeah. aren't, you know, on headlining stages or something, and which makes no sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with that old time stuff, that's when their, fir- their first record, some of them were like, they've been doing it for oh, years for sure. yeah, and yeah. had no success. And the recording we're listening to, they're 65. Yeah. And so it allows you to be like, this this whole art form just like any art form, should should be completely ageless. Yeah, yeah. Whether you're 14 or 65. Well, it, it's interesting, yeah. I think with both music and with, with anybody who's in, like, acting, right, for film and TV, yeah, yeah. like, it's, um, you know, if you write your first, like, book that is successful as an author and you're 45, yes. you're, like, a young yeah, author. Yeah, that's so true. Right? Yep, and. Yep. And yeah, if you know you're putting out your first record when you're 45, it's really hard to make people give a shit yeah. about that. Yeah, right. Yeah, in, in like a completely different. Right, way. even though it seems so, because to me, I've always thought like 
books and music are very similar art yeah, forms yeah. because you can almost take what you want. There's allegorical writing, For there's sure, narrative yeah. writing, music's the same way. There's songwriting that is very just descriptive and poetic. Yeah. And then there's other stuff that's very story-based. And you can like both. You can read a book that's on this and a book yeah, that's on yeah. that. Um, in a way that I've often wondered, like, why does it matter their age? Yeah. It's a very, but again, I think they tie it to like, oh, touring and being a road dog. And you've got to be, yeah, when yeah. really it's like, it can be, you can, it can be what you make it. Yeah. It's just only if the industry would kind of follow suit. Well, too, I, th- I think so much of that is just the way that different art forms get marketed towards different groups yes. of people. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that like so much of the music industry at least when it started, like, I don't really know who buys or spends money on music <laughs> at this point. But, like, you know, in, like, late 50s, early 60s, it was yeah. all, like, teenagers, right? right? Yes, and it was yes, so yeah. heavily pushed at mm-hmm. that demographic that, you know, became really normal. Yes, yeah. But, yeah, because the money, it was almost like there's this money Yeah. in these, you know, youthful kids that are getting their parents to buy the record. Yeah, yeah. And so many of, like, the the legends and the people who've left legacies, yeah, yeah. their audience base was teenage girls. Like, yeah, that's yeah, a very for common sure. thing, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, yeah, it's almost something that I wish we could do away with, which is... I mean, I see it sometimes in, even in festivals where there's this side of it that really holds on to people who have like the one hit wonder thing right? and they're yeah. paid like a very high amount to almost like they're almost, it's almost like a showing up fee, you know, it's like when you hear those stories of those like people who go to clubs and they like get paid to just show up. Yeah, I feel yeah. like there's definitely some bands where it's like, that's pretty much the fee is that they're there. They put the name on the poster. Yeah. It's to relive the youth. It's to relive that like nostalgia of that band. Well, it was funny. I was laughing at the Junos this year. Yeah. I was looking through, it was like day of, I don't yeah. normally pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I was yeah. looking through and it's like, yeah. who's nominated? It's like, uh, the Arkells and right. Mother Mother yeah. and Avril yeah. Lavigne. Yeah. And it's like, what is like it, it's bizarre yeah because I, I think we tend to just find things that are like kind of a comfortable sort of nostalgia yeah. and hold on to that it's the thing that really makes me mad sometimes about you know <laughs> quote-unquote Canada yeah is that I feel like a lot of things end up being like a min like miniature version of like you the United United States like right. we have to our our award show is like a lesser version <laughs> of that but yeah. we still it's all about the stardom it's all about instead yeah, of being like yeah. you know what makes this place even more interesting or great is that we honor artistic integrity you know yeah, we honor yeah. like more of that like indie band aspect instead it feels For like sure, there's yeah. this emphasis again yeah on these bands that have. They, they're almost, a lot of them are even to a point where they're not even going to show up. They yeah. don't well, really like, care. They don't live here they anymore. Don't live here. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, I don't even know how we got here. It's very I bizarre. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, let's t- talk a bit about your record a little bit. Okay, and sure. uh, too, I, I mean, uh, the record is Educated Woman, um, Checks Notes, that is what it's called. Um, <laughs> It's 2019, right? It yes. Came out? Yeah. Yeah. How long before that did you record it? Like, kind of, how long was that in the works? I think a year or two. Okay. I, I sat with it for a while. I'm, I'm very, like, I think I said that earlier. I'm a very, like, uh, private person. So it was really hard for me to imagine, like, 
printing yeah, this yeah. and then being like, I am a musician. <laughs> like, even when I play shows, I still feel that way. Like, I go yeah. to the show and I mean, I prepare, I'm like, write my set list and like, know when I got to get there. And, but almost every single time, I'm like, how did I get here? <laughs> how, what makes me think I should be doing that? And yeah, like, yeah. kind of have that moment of like imposter syndrome. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. I really waited on it. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of, once I finally got it printed, I just kind of sold it at shows and then realized like, oh, you have a release. Gotcha. And then I booked an album release and then I don't think I put it digitally on until like a year after the physical re- Like I <laughs> was just totally fun, DIY. Honestly. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, it was, I'm glad that the first one was that way. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it allowed me to just kind of be experimental about it. And then if anyone who's ever appreciated it, it felt like they were appreciating it on its own terms. Yeah, yeah. Versus being like, I contacted the right person, I did the right thing, I paid the right person. Yeah, It was yeah. very like, in the pursuit of the music that got me into it. It was just what yeah. it was. It was, yeah, And yeah. even when I recorded it, it was, I didn't have a band. I'd never played with a band. Yeah. And it was just friends, essentially. Yeah. And we literally went in and I had the songs and we just recorded them off the bat. There was no production. Right. There was no time spent on that, which uh, for another album, I could see the advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the fun that that might be. But I was glad that it was live off the floor. Yeah. And it was just what it was. Are, are you prepping some new stuff then? I do have, have new stuff. But again, on? I'm probably, I feel like I'm going to be one of those people that doesn't put out something for. Yeah. Know, years and years and years. Or until someone like everything I do is always because someone else is like, Hey, look at this thing or try this or let's do this or hey, I'm gonna bring my recording equipment. You have a new song? And it's like even when we're talking about the pandemic, the only reason I wrote a song was Sled Island contacted me. Right, yeah, yeah. For that lemonade stand oh, sessions right. or yeah, whatever yeah. that was called. Yeah. And they were like, Hey, we wanna if you have anything you're working on or any new songs yeah, or yeah. unreleased and I was like, I don't and i went into the basement and i was like oh, i'm kind of writing this riff yeah yeah and then i wrote something but i had the deadline like i'm definitely someone that like if there's a deadline i'll do it <laughs> otherwise i'll spend i have like hundreds of voice clips and i'm like yeah yeah someone needs to just take these and be like these are the ones you're doing i can't my brain is too scatterbrained but i do yeah. have new songs um and it's getting close to being something that, that could time. be a full record so yeah, and i yeah. want to Whereas the first one, I felt like I wanted to, but I was also like, why? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Whereas this time, I'm like, no, I'm ready. I want to do it. It's fun. I, li- yeah, I yeah. like recording. I've met a lot of musicians that find recording to be very stressful, but yeah. which I understand that too, because you're having to hear. For me, the part that I don't like about it is, yeah, the listening back to yourself and having to like accept that's you, <laughs> you Man, are. It was um, like I, I work at a recording studio in Edmonton. Oh, okay, um, yeah. And uh, the studio is called Riverdale Recorders. Oh, yes. Yeah. And one of the first sessions there that I was kind of interning on was Corblund. Oh, doing wow. His, he did a record last year called uh, Songs My Friends oh, Wrote, yes. I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was fascinating because it's this band who's clearly recorded so, so much, yeah. right? Um, but it gets to a point where it's like, okay, first song, everything's set up we're good to go and they played it through like three times and it was like this sounds perfect like Ah, you guys played so many times and then they would just come in and corp would go third one was better than the other two but still not great oh wow and it was just like kind of this instant like listen all the way through yeah okay uh i understand what didn't work there and this is what we're gonna do different then we're gonna go do it again and then they do it again and i was sitting there like 
what's these all sound the same and then they do it again and it sounds better right? yeah and you can like actually yes. notice it right um, yeah but, but yeah it was super super fascinating wow the details that's the thing there's people that are so detail orientated and yeah, i think yeah. that's the thing a person has to learn is that stop worrying if you come across as a diva because you know your vision. <laughs> yeah, I struggle yeah. with that all the time because I'm like, I know what I want and I know how I yeah, want this, yeah. the caliber. I need this to be like this. Yeah. And I'll feel, even if I say it, even if I'm like, can't be that way or it needs to be like this, I still feel guilty. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to make anyone feel like they have to do it again. <laughs> I want people to feel comfortable. But really at the end of the day, it's like, it's your vision. It's yeah. your name on it. That's the thing yeah, too. For sure. If your name's on it, it's like, it reflects on you. Yeah. Right. And it can't, and that's the thing is like, I was very lucky with my first recording experience because it was very organic. It was very yeah, like, yeah. let's do four takes of this or let's, oh, that's the, oh, we ended up taking the first take. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is how easy it can be. Wow. <laughs> but I've had experiences too, where I've witnessed, mostly I've witnessed from friends where yeah, yeah. they're like, it's not always like that. And so I'm like, oh, okay, I, I'm aware of that. But yeah, I think that, I think what makes a person great sometimes is being able to, to know what's imperfect or yeah, what needs yeah. to be fixed without losing the naturalness of a recording, sure. you know? Uh, very last question. Yeah. Ooh. We normally uh, will wrap up by playing a track from oh, okay. uh, something, a song that you want to talk about a little bit. Sure. Um, would you want to play something off the record or we can play the lemonade stand one? Sure. Um, whatever. Either one. What's the one that's on the lemonade it's stand? It's I Hate It. Yeah, it's called I Hate It. I wrote okay. it about... <laughs> I was like, it suits. Yeah. Oh, I, I, hate that I, one. I love um, saying okay. that because honestly, even when I rehearse it with my band or go to introduce it and I say I hate it, people are always like, "What? What do you hate?" I'm like the song is called "I Hate It," but yeah, yeah. because we've been talking about you know pandemic and yeah, yeah. Uh, happy, sad emotions and negatives of life and all of those beautiful yeah, yeah. things that make a human. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I hate it is a is a song that I recorded for Sled Island. Um, during the pandemic, and I was grateful they asked me, or I probably wouldn't have written something in the last 20 years, you know? <laughs> cool. Uh, well, yeah, we're going to listen to a song then called I Hate It. I'll, I'll track down a copy of it somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks so much for sitting down to chat. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation, and now the dogs are barking outside. Perfect and timing. Sun yeah. is shining. <laughs> Can't complain. <laughs> I hate it, I hate it. Feel far from home. No amount of meditation make me feel less alone. I truly am sorry for how it went down. I hate to be the reason for somebody's frown. My mind it is ugly. I can't get no rest. I wish I was a baby on my mama's chest. I wish I was a baby on mama's chest. I wish I was a baby bird back in the nest It's hard to admit that nothing has changed And you're the same person you were yesterday The newscaster's calling, oh what does he say? Your husband is calling, oh what does he say?
If somebody listens, teach me to be sweet. I forgot how to listen, only feel good when I eat. I feel it, I feel it, something new in the air. I hope it means something, but right now I feel bare. I wish I could start over before the harm I done When I was a little kid running in the sun If I had been wiser, this wouldn't be the case No amount of I wish I had could ever erase I hate it, I hate it I hate it, I hate it Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The feature track, I Hate It, was played with permission from Amy Nelson. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song, Nothing on My Mind, from the Grimpy EP as both our intro and outro music. Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website, cupsandcakespod.com, to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's Cups, the letter N, cakespod.com. Thanks for listening.